you know, this has been an interesting and really full week here around the church. And this week, Tuesday and Wednesday and even, even Thursday, our church just kind of, you know, we always say we want to we lead people to find and follow Jesus. And we want to do that both locally and globally. And uh, it was really evident, it was really cool this week on Tuesday and Wednesday, we had around 100 to 150 students from the Crowley School District, some from North Crowley High School, some from Crowley High School, and they were getting some extra tutoring as the STAR test is coming up. And so it was just cool that our, our facility is available to our community. And I, I love that uh, Allison, our children's director, and Carlos, our student pastor, they kind of worked that out and allowed the the school to use our facility. And then also Tuesday and Wednesday and even, even Thursday, uh, MANA Worldwide, who has their offices right here in our parking lot, they brought all of their directors in and their board in. And uh, just, it was awesome to sit in on their meetings and see what God is doing all over the world through MANA Worldwide. And so it was just really cool for me to kind of walk back and forth to the family center and see local community kids here and then to walk back in and hear what God is doing in Mongolia or wherever all over the world. And so I, I want to say thank you to you, church, for uh, many of you have been members here a long time, and because of your generosity over the years, we have the facilities to host things like that. And so it was just an awesome week, and I wanted to encourage you by that. I was encouraged, so hopefully you'll be encouraged. Now, if you are new, every Sunday morning, I pretty much almost always without fail start the time of our sermon the same way. And so I don't want to forget to do that. So here we go. Ready? God is good. And all the time. Do you believe that? You sound convinced today. That's awesome. God is good. And all the time. Do you believe in prayer? Do you believe in the power of prayer? And I asked that question last week, but then I made the statement that the amount of time we spend in prayer reveals how much power we think prayer has. And that kind of sounds, I don't know, I, I don't want it to sound like uh, I'm placing a guilt trip on us. Because, uh, I mean, I know I've been in church my whole life and sometimes we as pastors have a tendency to put guilt trips on people. Have you ever been a part of one of those? And, and I don't want to, and it sounds kind of, maybe it's just convicting. I don't know, but I think it's true. I think that the, the amount of time I give God in prayer probably reveals how powerful I think prayer is or is not. Because I have a tendency to give God quickly the things in prayer, and then, like, i got to get to work. Uh, you know, God can't handle this. I don't, maybe, maybe you're not that way, but I am. I've also noticed that even in my own life, my typical prayers revolve around three different things. I'm praying for God's protection or his provision or his peace. Do you, do you guys, is that kind of similar for you? His protection, his provision, and his peace. That seems to be like a good summary of what my prayers have a tendency to, to be consumed with. And what we looked at last week is we talk about this series, Dangerous Prayers. Again, I want to encourage you to get the book entitled Dangerous Prayers by, by Craig Rochelle. And a lot of this information is coming from that book. 
But in Acts chapter number four, as we looked at last week, when Peter and John were arrested, the church gathered after they were released and they told them all the things that had happened. Like they, they told us not to preach the name of Jesus. They told us that we're going to be punished if we preach the name of Jesus. But we told them we can't help but tell the things we've seen and heard. Like you can judge for yourself if you think it's right for us to listen to man or to God. But for us, hey, we are going to keep preaching the name of Jesus. So the church gathers. It says they're in unity and they begin to pray. And what did they pray? I, I think what's noticeable and what's missing from the prayer is that they don't pray for protection. They don't pray for peace. They don't pray for provision. They prayed for one thing. They prayed for boldness. They prayed for power. That God's power would be upon their life, that they would be bold to speak the name of Jesus. And we made this statement last week, and it's interesting that uh, as my week has unfolded, this one statement that we made last Sunday continually has played itself out over and over. Other people have brought this statement up to me. I've brought it up to other people, and here's the statement. When we pray dangerous prayers and walk in obedience, we realize God is always ahead of us. Would you agree with that? Over and over this week, this theme, this thought has come up. I think we'll unpack it a little bit more this morning. But in Psalm 139, as you listened to Sawyer read that passage, there's two main theological themes that come out of Psalm 139. That is that God is omniscient, that he's all-knowing. The second theme that really comes out is that he's omnipresent. In other words, that he is always present in all places at all times, that God is all-knowing and he's omnipresent presence. You know, like he says, you, you know me, God. You know me before I was formed in my mother's womb. I can't escape from your presence. I can't escape from your presence anywhere I go, no matter where I am, no matter what time it is. God, you are there. That's kind of encouraging, isn't it? Well, m maybe. Because it seems like if you're running from God, it may not be so encouraging, right? There's a flip side to this. Like when you're discouraged and upset and frustrated and fearful, it's encouraging to know God is always, I can't escape the presence of God. But again, the flip side of that coin is that if you are not living in obedience with God and walking in obedience with God, oh, I can't get away from God. He's everywhere. But it's reassuring. It's interesting. We're going to focus on verses 23 and 24, and there's really three parts to this prayer. David says, search me, try me, see me, and lead me. These are the four requests in this prayer. It's also interesting to know that in the very beginning of this chapter, what did David say? Oh, Lord, you have searched me. You have known me. You know my sitting down. You know my rising up. Like, God, you know everything about me. That's what he says. But he ends this song. This is a personal song to a personal God, and he says, Okay, God, I really want you, I want you to search me and know my heart. Lord, would you search everything? Give, give me a heart check, right? Give me a heart check. And he says, try, try me, Lord, and, and see if there's, there's anxiety, there's fear. See if there's any wicked or grievous way in me, and then lead, lead me. 
So let's take a moment and just kind of unpack these four statements this morning. The first thing David prays for, he says, search me or search my heart. We have a, have, have you ever heard the statement, well, well, they have a good heart. You ever heard that statement? Like they, usually, I don't know, my, my, my thinking is usually that comes after somebody messes something up. Well, they have a good heart. You guys, you guys, are, you guys track with me? So here's the question. Do we have a good heart? Do you have a good heart? I'm not talking medically, okay? You might could answer that easier than you could spiritually. What does the Bible say about your heart? Jeremiah says this. The heart is deceitful. Is it a little bit deceitful? What does it say? Above all things. Your heart is deceitful above all things. And it is a little bit, somewhat, a tiny bit wicked. Is that that what it says? What does it say? You can talk back. What does it say? Desperately wicked. Who can know it? And I, I think, for me, you, you're going to have to internalize this because I don't want to. I don't want to just point my finger at you, although I, I kind of do want to. But <laughs> I can. I, I've, I heard this quote years ago: the number one rule in life is don't fool yourself, and yet you are the easiest person to fool. It's easy for me to say, "Yeah, I have a good heart," but when I compare my heart to what Scripture says. It's deceitful. It's desperately wicked. Who can know it? I I can't even know my heart. So there's depth of this prayer that David is saying, God, would you reveal how wicked my heart is? The deceit I can't even see. You see, at the heart of our sin problem is the problem of our heart. Our heart is deceitful. It's wicked. You know what I'm really good at? A lot of things, actually. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that part of the message in a minute, all right? I'm, I'm really good at rationalizing things. Are you good at rationalizing things? Are you good at justifying what you're doing? Like, I'm not bitter. They're just bad. I'm not lusting. I'm, I'm just admiring God's handiwork. We just read, fearfully and wonderfully made, marvelous are your works. I'm not an angry person. People are just annoying. It's not gossip. It's a prayer request. Right? There's so many things I could say. I'm just going to move on. So maybe, what what was, what was on the, if there was a tombstone, what would have been on the tombstone of of David's? King David. He was a man after God's own what? Heart. 
And the man after God's own heart prays what? Search my heart because it is desperately wicked. And I'm afraid in my own life that oftentimes I've convinced myself that my heart is good. And my assumption this morning is that maybe, just maybe, you're like me. And this dangerous prayer today is like, God, reveal how wicked and how deceitful my heart is. That's scary, isn't it? Number two, he says, try me and know my anxieties or my fears. I don't like the word try me because it really means test me. I don't, I've never liked test, okay? Any form of any test, I don't like test. When we think about in terms of this, and David is saying, try me, test me, see if there is fear, there's anxieties in my life. And when I think about the testing of God in my life, of course, James said in the book of James, the author James says that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. The testing of your faith produces patience. But what I do know about testing or the trying of God in my life is that it's a process, and oftentimes the process is painful. And often the process requires some pressure. And often the process is disguised in the form of problems. Pain, problems, pressure. Right? That's just in the natural world. Like diamonds are created by intense heat and and pressure. A pearl is created when there's an irritant, a problem that comes into it, and to fix the problem, a pearl is created. So when we think about this prayer, this is not a safe prayer. This is not a prayer for protection or peace or provision. This is a prayer, God, would you try me? See if there is fear in me. And when we pray that prayer, what do we open ourselves up to? I mean, if I'm going to be really honest with you this morning, my prayer would, I would rather say, God, if you could reveal or give me patience in my faith without the problems and the pain and the process, hey, sign me up. Like, surely, God, I can get to know you more without problems. Who wants that? I mean, how many of you would join me in that prayer? Like, God, I know it's not normal, but hey, I've never been called normal. Just give me all the abundance and blessings and provision and protection. I promise I'm going to love you so much. So he prays for God to test him, to try him. And what is he trying him for? What's he testing him for? My anxieties, my fears. What are you, what are you scared of? What are you afraid of? I'm not talking about heights or roller coasters or spiders or snakes. Right now, if, if, if you were to just be, have a moment of transparency and say, John, right now, in my life, this is what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid I'm, I'm never going to get married. I'm afraid that my marriage is never going to get better. I'm afraid I didn't save enough money 
for retirement. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of success. I'm afraid of what people think of me. And the list could go on and on and on. But what do our fears say about us? I think maybe that what we fear the most might be revealing where we trust God the least. Because fearing whatever it is you might be fearing today, has, the fear has to flee in the presence of faith. And Paul spoke to that in Philippians chapter 4. Well, let's, let's just turn there real quick. If you have your Bible, turn to Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to start reading in verse number four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious. Uh Uh-oh, here's our word. Be anxious for what? Are you sure? Is that what it actually says? Be anxious for what? Does nothing mean nothing? Or does it mean there's there's exemptions? Is there an escape clause in this? Doesn't seem like it, does it? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with, there's a big word there, with what? Thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. Be anxious for nothing. Pray about everything. And what will be the result of that? The next verse, verse 7. What does it say? Read it with me. Ready? Here we go. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Hmm. I wonder if these are tied together, my heart and my fears. Seems like maybe, maybe they are. God, test me. And, and I'm, I'm trying to be as transparent, as honest I can be today. I don't like this prayer. And I had a few people already this morning say, when are we going to be done with this stupid series? Because it hurts when you pray dangerous prayers. Try me. See if there be any anxieties. Because maybe the fear reveals a lack of faith. Number three, see me says, and see if there's any wicked way in me. So search me and try me and see, or I think some translations would say, reveal if there's any wicked way in me. So I think we could say, see my sin or reveal my sin or uncover my sin. This is where it gets dangerous. But I want you to realize that you are always going to be as sick as your secrets. I have a good friend that, that's probably been, I think, 10, 12 years ago, that they, they were uh, having an affair for, for four years. And you know what God did? He uncovered the sin. And there was a lot of pain involved in the uncovering of that sin. But you know what that person would stand up here and tell you today? 
the best thing God could have done was to uncover the sin. And so this prayer is, wow, it's, it just seems like it gets a little harder and harder, doesn't it? Lord, see, reveal, uncover the sin of my life. This is not normal nor natural. What is our normal response when we mess up? What was Adam and Eve's response when they messed up? They went and hid, didn't they? I remember uh, I, some people, there, some, of, some, some of you remember everything from your childhood. How many of you is that? Like my wife, she can remember, oh yeah, it was May the 2nd. I was in first grade. I was wearing a blue polka dot dress. I'm not kidding. But me, I like have a few snapshots here and there of, of my childhood. And you know what one of my earliest school memories was? In second grade, I remember going to the bathroom during, the cafe, during lunch and flushing my peanut butter and jelly sandwich down the toilet. I cannot make sense of why I would have done that, just to be honest with you. I mean, I like to eat. I mean, I don't know. I have no reason. I couldn't tell you why. I just remember doing it. And the reason I remember doing it was when we got back to class, the teacher got up and said, we will not be having recess today because somebody in this class flushed their sandwich down the toilet. And until they confess, we're not going to recess. I don't like that lady. Yeah. What's really interesting about, well, in 2010, when I moved to Kansas and I pastored a church, the head deacon's name is David. His wife's name is Sharon. And you know who Sharon happens to be? Peanut butter and jelly teacher. <laughs> so we've come a long ways. But how many of you think I confessed? Wow. Okay. So, that actually went about how I thought it would. Okay, I mean, I didn't have my Apple Watch in second grade. I don't really know how long it took me, but it was a significant amount of time ticking away, like, I've got to, I want to go to recess. And so, even though you have no faith in me, I did go confess. You should have clapped for me. I mean, I thought that was good. You guys wanted to, but that's all right. No, it's no, 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 no. No. You're, you're just feeding another thing I'm about to confess, all right? Confession's not easy, is it? I think the prayer here, there's an implication that David is making that when you reveal these things in my life, my response will be confession. It's not just, hey, God, show me where I'm bad. No, it's, God, show me where I'm hindering our relationship and what's keeping me from fully walking in fellowship with you. And when you reveal those sins in my life, then I'm going to confess. There's two parts to confession. 
The first is you need to confess to God for forgiveness, and that's what 1 John 1, 9 speaks to, that if we will confess he, God, it says here to forgive us, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As a second grader, my first confession should have been to God. My confession had nothing to do with my guilt or my remorse. It only had to do with one thing. I want to go to recess. How many of you think I got to go to recess? I did. She let me go. Thank you, Miss Sharon. <laughs> confession for forgiveness. And I think spiritually speaking that there's a lot of church members, I'm not just speaking to our church, church members, that spiritually just have their arms crossed. I'm not, I'm not confessing that. And how are you going to get forgiveness? How are you going to move past if your arms are crossed? Confession to God for forgiveness. The second part is confession to others that you may be healed. And James in chapter 5 and verse 16 speaks to this. Confess your sins, your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Every Wednesday night at 6.30, we have a group that meets here, right here, at 6.30 called Regen, Regeneration. And, and these are really the two pillars of regeneration, that you want to live in confession to God of your sins so that you can have forgiveness, and you want to live in confession to others so that you can walk in healing. Because you're always going to be as sick as your secrets. And let me encourage you, you're, you're, anyone is free to come on Wednesday night at 6.30. Come, come check it out. Maybe God is just... Maybe this prayer, this dangerous prayer is like, God, yeah, I need you to search me. I need you to test me. I'm, I'm kind of scared to do it, but maybe, maybe Regen Wednesday night at 6.30. There's a bunch of people sitting. They didn't know I was going to talk about this, but there's quite a few people in the auditorium sitting around with a shirt, gray shirt that has Regen on it. It's green. Ask them about it. But show up Wednesday night at 6.30. Living, living in a spirit of confession to God for forgiveness to others for healing. I'm encouraged because I think a lot of churches are filled with people like this. Do, do you, would you agree with me? You're not selling our church under the bus, all right? But, but I think this is the case. And I think that's probably based somewhat on my experiences, but, but maybe because I find myself this way a lot of times. This week, I listened to this message, five different people preaching this message. I just went on YouTube and Psalm 139, 23 and 24, and as I'm working out, I'm just listening. And you know what God revealed to me? It's, a, it's the same thing I told you every week in January. I, I stood up here every week in January and said, hello, my name is John. I have a new life in Christ. I'm in recovery, and I gave you three things. One of them that's still there is pride. That I have a pride issue. 
You know, it's kind of that justifying thing. Well, it's, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. You all remember that song? Pride. Pride in my life, I was thinking about this week. It, 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 it makes me be like Moses. Remember when Moses struck the rock and said, must I provide water for you again? And he stole the glory of God. That's what pride does. I think it also manifests itself in my life like Elijah. Remember when Elijah had the, the greatest battle won ever as he called down fire from God. And what do we see him in the next passage doing? In a stupor, loathing, woe is me. I'm the only one that's serving the Lord. Pride's dangerous. And if we don't live in a spirit of confession to God for forgiveness and confession to one another for healing, we will be sick as our secrets. It closes with the last prayer. David says, lead me. This is a simple prayer of surrender. I I hope it's your prayer. God, I, I want to surrender to you, and if you're revealing sin in my life, I want to confess it, and I want to walk in fellowship, completely surrendered. God, whatever you have for me. As we continue the dangerous prayers, one of the things you're going to need to move forward in this series is a, a, a spirit of surrender. I surrender all, all to the I.O. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes for a moment as the band makes their way up to the front. And maybe, maybe this morning God has revealed in your life, like he revealed to me, you're prideful, John, and you are stealing my glory. You are setting yourself up as God. That's what Moses did. That's what Elijah did. I don't know what it is God revealed to you. And I intentionally didn't list a lot of things that could be because I want God to speak into you. I want the Holy Spirit to reveal to you. Mine is pride. Now what are you going to do about it? Again, I think the prayers are implying when you reveal, I'll confess. If God is revealed, then you ought to confess. Confess.